Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Crossroads. We are so glad that you decided to join us today on this July heat wave that we're having, and we are so glad that you chose to take time out of your day to spend time with us. My name is Keisha Maybe, and we are in the middle of a series right now called In Transit. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is a man named Paul. So Paul was this man who was blinded on the road to Emmaus by Jesus himself. The man who killed Christians and was then called to preach the gospel. The man responsible for helping spread the good news and who wrote the majority of the New Testament. This really respected biblical man had a hang up. Paul talks about a thorn in his side. A thorn. When I think of a thorn, I think of like this nagging pain. Something that is constantly stabbing at you. Of annoyance. Like it, you kind of get used to it. You get kind of numb to it. But you know it's still there. And a lot of times you can constantly feel the pain. And you are always aware of it this nagging sensation of a thorn. People speculate about what exactly Paul's thorn was. Some think it could be a physical disability. Remember, he was blinded on the road to Emmaus by Jesus himself, and some think that maybe it was something physical that impacted his eyesight. Maybe his eye had goop in it all the time. Maybe he quite couldn't see well. And other people think that maybe it was some kind of other temptation that he struggled with. Something that constantly tempted him to sin. Others think maybe it was a mental health struggle. Anxiety, depression, panic attacks. But we are not 100% sure, so we guess at what Paul's weakness was. So welcome to the party, y'all. Paul's discussing his thorn, and you are thinking about yours we all have one. And if you take out your sermon notes, we're going to jump right in when you can click over and find those on version. And the first fill-in is we all have a thorn, a struggle, a flaw, a hang-up, a hurt, a shortcoming. We all have them. None of us are exempt from that. The verses we're focusing today is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. And here we're going to start right in. Because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, remember this is Paul talking to us right now, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. Let's say that again. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight. Oh, let's say that word again. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When you read this, Paul is saying something that we all do not want to admit, but we all know is true. We're weak. 
Weakness is human. If you are human, you have them. And some of them are ones that flood your brain immediately. Your weaknesses, you can pinpoint them, you know them. Like for me, one of mine that immediately comes to my mind is my inability to deal with messy anything. I do not like mess. I hate a messy house. I hate clutter. I do not like my house messy at all. I like it to look orderly and put together and like Pinterest pretty. Well, with three young kids and a husband with ADD, my house is rarely clean. It's always messy. I feel like I'm constantly trying to pick up and sometimes I explode over the messy house and sometimes I lose myself over the messy house and I just want everyone to clean all the time. I asked my son the other day, like, what is something mommy loves? He's like a clean house. Yep, yep, I do. And this weakness, my inability to keep myself sometimes controlled in mess is always in front of my face. Another one of my weaknesses is self-esteem. I really struggle with loving myself. Another one of my weaknesses is Hobby Lobby and Target. Some weaknesses I'm simply not willing to work on, even though my husband tells me I should. You have your own thorns, all of us. The interesting thing about what Paul talks about in this passage is that he prayed for God to relieve him of this thorn. He wanted and he begged God to take it away. Well, if you remember the passage, it says that Paul prayed three times. My first thought was, really, Paul? Only three times? Dude, come on, step up your game. Why not at least four times? But while looking into this passage a little bit more, what I found is that when it says that he prayed three times, it's actually a Hebrew figure of speech that meant to pray continuously. The reality is, is Paul kept praying. He prayed continuously that God would take away this shortcoming, this flaw, this hang-up, this hurt, this weakness. He wanted it to be solved and to be taken away. But what we know in this passage is that God didn't. God hadn't answered that prayer the way he wanted God to. He was left with this thorn, this nagging pain in his side, a reminder of his weakness, his difficulty, and his hardship. This hits our hearts. We all have things we have prayed for. We have, pray- we have all cried out for God to take away something, a sickness, a relief, to give us some kind of redemption, a reconciliation, a relationship, a healing, a new direction. And we tend to think we have done something to take God off or we are not enough or somehow we didn't make the right move somewhere and this smiter, this holy smiter is smiting us and punishing us. I wonder if Paul was thinking the same thing. Maybe Paul thought that this was his punishment for his past mistakes. But instead of stopping there, Paul actually chooses to boast and to be glad about his weaknesses because his weakness reminds him that he is a messy human being and in need of a perfect savior. This thorn in his side, as painful as it was, as this constant nagging, stabbing pain, that stabbing feeling that he could have pouted about, but instead he used it as a reminder that he was human and he was imperfect and insufficient, inadequate and not enough. 
instead of focusing on what God didn't do for him, right? So many times we're like, God, why? Why aren't you doing this for me? Why aren't you relieving me of this? He focused on what God had done for him. And he realized that what God did by giving his perfect son as a sacrifice for us was enough. Let me ask you this question real quick. If God never answered another prayer for you, is the death of his son enough? Paul focuses on what God did offer him, that he offered grace that was sufficient for us, adequate for you, enough for you. And then he tops it off with the promise, my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's weaknesses, his thorn in his side is actually the environment that Jesus like rolls up his sleeves and says like, watch out, I do my best work here, friends. He reminds Paul about his grace, about his sacrifice, the giving up of his physical life to offer his grace is all that Paul needs. It's all that we need. And Paul doesn't argue the fact. Then it says that his power, Christ's power is made perfect, flawless in weakness. Paul understood these two truths. Weakness is not a retribution from God, but a reminder of our need for God. Paul's thorn, his weakness, continued to remind him that he needed strength outside of himself. His thorn wasn't a punishment from the holy smiter smiting him, but it was a reminder that he needed strength outside of himself that he needed a power that was made perfect in his weakness and he needed a God that would continue to show up week moment after week moment. And Paul also said that this weakness of his led him to continuous prayer. Prayer is purely conversation with God. It's a conversation with the divine creator. That's all it is. And he was in continuous prayer. He was seeking out God constantly. He was in constant communication with his Savior. Meaning this, weakness drives us back to the cross over and over again. The great thing is that the cross wasn't just a one and done thing. The cross is something that we can continually come back to. And weakness can either drive us into a pit or it can drive us back to the cross. Sometimes our thorns tempt us to drown in pity and shame and embarrassment and in anger. But we have a choice. We can continually crawl into a pit or we can continually crawl to the cross. One will offer shame, the other a savior with grace and power. So Paul used this thorn to continually connect to his savior, his weakness to continually seek a divine power and a divine strength. He boasted about his weakness gladly. Like he didn't hide it. He didn't act like he had all his stuff all together. Like he didn't act as if he didn't need a savior. The interesting thing is, is that Paul is very opposite of what we are all naturally bent towards. Our natural bent as human beings is to act like we're strong and we're just fine. To kind of push our weaknesses down and cover it up. 
Like, we want to go around and be like, oh, we're good, we're good, yep, I'm good, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, how are you? Blessed, I'm blessed. (laughs) But Paul is telling us that it's okay to boast about being weak, to boast about it and be glad, and to accept that through our weaknesses, God's strength and his power is made perfect. That when we are weak, he is strong. That when we admit our weakness, we admit our need for him. It is impossible to understand and accept the fact that God's grace is sufficient until we understand and accept the fact that we are insufficient. Weak and flawed is human. Perfection is only God's thing. I've been in ministry to some degree since my dad became the head pastor of this church in 1987. I was three months old. I literally do not know anything other than being a pastor's daughter, and now I'm a pastor's wife. There's some really great moments and some really great memories that I've had in ministry. But for some reason, early on, I bought into this idea that I had to be put together because of who my dad was. It happened more and more as the church grew and got bigger and more people came and our numbers kept growing and I had this spotlight, if you will, on my family. I was just a kid and then I was a teen and I was truly terrified to be myself. I was truly terrified to be open and to be raw, so I would hide myself a lot. I didn't want to tell people about my weaknesses. I didn't want to be a human because I was afraid of what people would think about me or my family. I would do something and I would hear, well, you can't do that. You're a pastor's kid. I'm like, are you a dentist kid? Do you still eat sugar sometimes? Or I would come late almost every Sunday because girlfriend loved to sleep as a teenager. And when I had the freedom to drive, I was late. And every Sunday it would be announced by somebody, oh, here comes that pastor's daughter late again. (laughs) And finally I got tired of it. And I remember trying to sneak in. I would like want to be late so I could sneak in and avoid people because I didn't want to see people. In a church where everyone was welcomed, I felt like I wasn't. Every question at youth group, I was expected to answer and then I felt I needed to answer because I was told I was the pastor's kid so I should know all the answers. And again, I'm like, is your dad a doctor? Do you know all the medical terminology? I was nervous to mess up. I was nervous to not look good. So I bought into this lie that I needed to be put together because of my dad's role in the church. And it was exhausting. And at times, that weakness of mine of put together, look good, perform well, is still so tempting to me. And as I've matured, I realized that it isn't just about me being a pastor's daughter that I felt like that or now a pastor's wife that I have this desire to look good and look put together but it actually is just a human thing and for some reason many of us have this idea that the moment we walk into a church building is the moment we have to surrender our humanity and act like we're all good I mean, I know some ways on the car, on the way to church, you're like, you're so stupid, why are you always late? And shut up, kids, and keep your hands off each other. And you're gossiping on the way to church, and all of a sudden, you like walk into church, like, good, how's it going? We're great, we're blessed, thank you so much. (laughs) We act like we don't sin. 
that we have it all together, that our life is wonderful and flawless. And so many of us want to hide our weaknesses because we feel we have to do so. But isn't it the exact opposite of what us Christians need to be doing? We are the body of Christ and sharing each other's burdens is what we should do best. Hurting for each other, listening to each other, recognizing that we are human, just as human as the next person. But we walk into church saying we need a savior, but acting like we don't. What if we truly came to church as we were? Stressed, upset, hurt, lonely, grief-stricken, depressed, suicidal, anxious, angry, drunk, addicted, abused, broken, fired, devastated. What if we actually brought our whole selves, all of us, including our weaknesses, our hurts, our hang-ups, and our flaws, and we lugged them into worship with us? Why do we feel the need to bring our best self to church when God's power is made perfect in our weakness? Not our fakeness, not our best try at perfection, but our weakness. What if we embraced our weakness, not because of us, but because we can boast about God's power and his strength? That when we are actually admit our weaknesses, he shows up and does his God thing. What if we let our weakness be a daily reminder, a moment-by-moment reminder of our need for the cross? That the Savior that died on the cross thinking about you and the Savior that defeated death for you wants to continue to show up for you, but the catch is his power is best when you bring your weakness openly, vulnerably. What if we truly believe that the cross is a place we could lay it all out and then he would pick it up from there. What if his grace is purely enough and that the only way we really understand that is by accepting that we are not? And again, it is impossible to understand and accept the fact that God is sufficient and his grace is sufficient until we understand and accept the fact that we are insufficient. The key to unlocking true strength is by surrendering our need to hide our weaknesses. Pretending we are perfect, pretending we are without this thorn in our side is pretending that we do not really need God. How we can expect his power to be made perfect if we pretend we already are. We are so scared for people to see our flaws, to know our weaknesses, to see our human, and it gets tiring, and it gets exhausting. It gets so exhausting trying to hide the thorn. Like, oh, don't look over here. It feels so extra to cover and to pretend. Most of us will act like all is well, and then we go home in the privacy of our homes and we cry out alone. We desire perfection. We crave comfort. We want our stories to fit beautifully into this box we call life. And we certainly do not want our weaknesses to impact our stories. But what if our lives really are not about us, but about him? And what if we lived like that? To focus on covering up our weaknesses means we think our story is better without them. But what if they are necessary for God's story? Because just like Paul said, his grace is sufficient and his power is made perfect in weakness. His power, not ours, his grace and our need for it. 
Our life is not about our story, but it is about his glory. Your weaknesses are not about you, but they're about his strength. Remember that thorn? It's not really about your thorn. It's about what God can do with your thorn. Your thorn is not about how hard it is, but it's about how God can show up and his strength is there and his perfection makes that stronger. That he is made perfect in our weakness. Our life is not about our story, but it is about his glory. And that is a game changer when we accept that fact. It's not about how we look. It's about how he looks. If our story is about us and we constantly try to seek to feel good and to look good and to be comfortable and to say like, look, we made it, we're good. But what if we change that perspective and surrendered our looks and said, this is about your glory, God. My weakness, may people see you in it. Take this thorn, God, and make it yours. Make it point back to you. In a moment where we struggle and we're weak, God wants to show up and his grace is sufficient and we want him to get the glory in our weaknesses. It is about our human showing and our human weakness driving us back to the cross, asking for God to do only what he can do, to meet us in our weakness and to trust that his grace is enough because we're not, we're insufficient. And it's not about our story, but it's about his glory. Bring your weakness, bring your human. You are loved in it. Your thorn is about what God can do. Your weakness is about asking for his strength. His grace is sufficient for you. He can enter into the weakness and his strength is what we need. We are weak. And what's wrong with that? Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness, for your power, for your strength, that your power is made perfect in our weakness. That we can hide it, that we can act like we have it all together, but God, the truth is, is we do not. We are insufficient. And God, I ask that we get comfortable with that because we can recognize that we have a weakness and a thorn and we can choose to let it lead us back to the cross every day, every moment, that we can lay it all out for you and that your grace is enough. Help us to become vulnerable. Help us to seek you, to not rely on our own strength, but to be completely weak because when we are weak and you enter in the picture, then we are strong. Help us to live like that. There are some people that are watching right now and they have never committed to following you. They are constantly focused on how they lack or that they're not enough. But the cool thing is, is your grace steps in and your grace covers and your grace is giving us something we don't deserve. So if you're watching and you have never accepted to follow Jesus, Today's the day because you are loved and you don't have to bring any perfect anything to the cross. You just have to bring yourself. 
your weaknesses and surrender just to follow him because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. And if you wanna follow Jesus today, please say a prayer after me. Jesus, I don't have all the answers to all of this, but I know I'm weak. And I know that I have flaws and I know that I am broken at times. And I know that I have my hurts and my hangups and I ask Jesus that you come into my life. I wanna follow you. I ask that you forgive me of my wrongdoings and give me your grace that is sufficient because I am not. I dedicate to following you, Jesus. I want you to be the leader of my life. I wanna spend eternity with you, but I also wanna follow you on this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for your strength. Thank you for your power that is made perfect in our weakness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. We are so glad that you joined us. Share this, because I think this is a message that we all need to hear. And have a great week. And we will see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.